Good morning to you, church. This is lesson number three from our uh, current study in Malachi. And it is, uh, it is a lesson I hope will be encouraging to us, even though it is, it's kind of a reminder of, it, it reminds us of some truths I think that we get when we get into new, the New Testament and start thinking about Jesus. Um, I think this passage is really going to help us get an understanding of uh, when John introduces Jesus, what he is saying about Jesus. So we're going to we're going to have some revelation or, or some truths about the revelation reveal, revealed to us, some truths about God's uh, word. It's going to be explained, and we're going to understand a little bit better if we didn't already know what is given uh, by John the Baptist. But when we when we start out here in the book of Malachi, we have to realize that what we've been talking about over the last two weeks was just the fact that this people, the people of God, they were just such a mess. God's covenant people had broken this covenant that they had with their father, they had, they'd left it in, in just so many horrible ways. The priests weren't even doing what they were supposed to be doing. And they were telling these people that the table of the Lord um, may be defiled. What a, you know, the leaders weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. And if, as you read through a lot of these questions, when, when God says, you say this, or, um, you know, and he responds to their questions or their thoughts, um, it's, it's, they were blaming God. Even back in chapter one, verse number two, it says, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? They were, since things weren't going their way, they're blaming God. And they're saying, how have you loved us? When we get to the end of chapter two, um, it says in verse number 17, you have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, how have we wearied him? Um, in that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or where is God's justice? So they were blaming God for, for blessing people. The way I read that, everyone who does evil is good in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, they, were, they were saying God just, anybody who does wrong, God blesses them. And God's, where is God's justice? He's not just. So even though they have left the covenant of God and they are not serving God like they should, they're not sacrificing to God like they should. They come back to God and they kind of put the blame on God. Where are you? This is all your fault. So it's an interesting concept that they have here to think of somebody. God has blessed these people in so many ways, but yet they don't give God their best. And they make God out to be the bad guy. Well, in Malachi, when we get ready to turn now to chapter 3, in Malachi chapter 3, God shares how he's going to fix the mess. So, And it's a hopeful message and maybe even a little bit of a scary message, I hope. Hope it wakes us up and gets us to, to think about what are we giving to God? What are we doing for him? So in Malachi chapter 3, uh, first of all, I want to read uh, just the, the first part of verse number one. And it says, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, 
and he will clear the way before me. And as you look at the very end, this is, these, are, these are the words of the Lord of hosts. Now, when I read these words, I really hope you think of something. When it see, says those words, and God says, Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. He will clear the way before me. I hope that makes you think of John the Baptist, for that is clearly the allusion to John the Baptist. But notice also, before we go to the New Testament and read about John the Baptist, we're going to look, turn the page and turn, look at Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and, uh, five and 6. Uh, God here says, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers, so I will not come and smite the land with a curse. So again, here there is a messenger that's going to come before the Lord comes, before the Messiah comes, and he's going to get people ready. He's going to set the hearts of the fathers right with the with the sons and uh, the children with their um, with their fathers and so forth. So now let's flip to the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter three, after giving a lot of information about the the birth of, of Jesus, his arrival uh, here on this earth, his uh, humbling himself and taking the form of a man. Uh, we get to this passage that is, in this passage, it is talking about John the Baptist, John the son of Zechariah, is mentioned in verse number two. Now in verse number three, it says here, and he came into all the district, in, into all the district around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every ravine will be filled and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight and the rough roads smooth and all flesh will see the salvation of of God. So here is that prophecy about the one and then you can um you can see in the other in the other gospels it mentions uh Malachi is quoted but here Isaiah is quoted but this was fulfilled in John the Baptist this idea that that um God was going to send his messenger to prepare the way that is John the baptizer. So back to Malachi chapter Three. So first we have the baptizer come, and this is how God's going to fix everything, right? This is how God's going to take their mess that these Jews have created because they haven't followed the covenant, how he's going to fix it. So first is going to come a messenger. Now we continue reading chapter three, verse one. Okay, so first part said, I'm going to send my messenger. He will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight behold he is coming says the lord of hosts 
So then the, the Lord's going to come suddenly to his temple. The Lord is going to show up himself. So the Messiah, the chosen one, is going to be the Lord God himself. He is going to be the messenger of the Lord, and it is going to be a, a representation. It's going to be God on earth. So that is the one. This is the one they've always longed for. So in that passage, it talks about this is the one you, whom you seek. This is the one in whom you delight. This is the long way to this Messiah that is going to come after John the Baptist. This is a, the, the point of this, folks. This is the, the last prophecy, the last prophet that spoke before God was silent for a period of 400 years before Jesus shows up. This is the thing that should be on their mind that is going to, it is going to come. And so first you're going to have John the baptizer, and then you're going to have God himself is going to do show up. The one you seek, the one in whom you delight, the long-awaited Messiah. He's also, it's also mentioned here that he would be the messenger of the covenant. So, you know, when you think about this covenant that he was, I look at it as number one, he was the fulfillment of that Mosaic covenant, the law, the, the covenant that God made with Moses there, all that covenant that was involved that they made at Mount Sinai. But going back further to Abraham, Abraham is the one that made the covenant for his people. And through him, all nations would be blessed. So everything was building up to a point in time when the Messiah would come. Jesus was going to be the fulfillment of that. And Jesus was going to really define the covenant. He was going to be the fulfillment of it, the defining nature of the covenant. And he was also going to establish something better, a new covenant. So here's this, this messenger of the covenant. It's all about God's covenant with his people. He's going to make things right with them. They have failed the covenant, but God is, again, he's going to be faithful to the covenant. He's going to give a messenger for that covenant. Now, as we continued reading in verses two through three, it tells us what this messenger is going to do. It tells us what the Lord, when he visits, what he is going to do, how he is going to fix things. So back to Malachi chapter three, and we begin reading just verses two and three right now. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Now, if you're like me, uh, the fuller's soap or um, that reference, I kind of get the idea of refining and a refiner's fire. The fuller's soap I didn't get, but it is just simply a cleansing. You know, it's, it's when they start with cloth that's all messed up and dirty, they had to cleanse it. So that's what the fuller did is he was the launderer. He was the one who had to cleanse the impurities out of the material that they wanted to use to make whatever they were going to make. So it's he is so this is what Jesus is going to be. He is going to be one who purifies. He is one who cleanses, cleanses. He is one who is going to refine his people. That idea of gold and silver 
it doesn't come out of the ground all shiny and pretty and um, in little gold rings, does it? It doesn't come out pure. It has to be purified. It has to be refined. The only way that you can get pure gold is to put it to the fire. So that is what Jesus is going to do. He is going to refine his people. And he is talking specifically about the Levites here, those priests who were so crooked and corrupt. And uh, he tells them that they're going to be refined. They're going to be purified. But that process, well, it is a process. And it is a fire that brings this about. Um, with the, the, the idea of the fuller soap, there is a process that they were going to have to go through and be cleansed. Jesus was going to bring that about. John the Baptist understood this. So go back to Luke chapter uh, 3. And um, I want to reiterate verse number 5. I think in verse number five, I think there's, um, I I think this has to do with John kind of making the way straight. He is setting things straight so then that Jesus can come and really make things straight. So John is involved in in this process a little bit because in verse number five, when I was talking about John preparing the way and making the path straight, says every ravine will be filled, every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight and the rough roads smooth. So that's just, it, it's just simple language. I don't, I don't think we can try and make too much out of this other than just to say it is, it's a preparation of the way. It's a, it's a, it, you don't want to have to climb a mountain if you're traveling. It's kind of like people building a highway. They make it as straight as possible and as level as possible. That is what John was doing. He was making the way straight, getting the way ready for Jesus to come. And he was doing it by calling people to repentance. And this was just the beginning of what Jesus was going to do then. Let's continue to look at verses 7 through 9. This is, it's the process of refining. It's the process of purifying. It's a smelter making um, gold or silver pure. Verse 7. So he began saying to the crowds who were going out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So now hear that. He's warning about what's to come, the wrath to come. And now your mind should hopefully flashes back to our main passage, our main text in Malachi. These people were all messed up. They were not following the covenant. And there was going, the wrath of God was to come. And this is how God is going to fix things. It is fixed things. It is going to be through the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So how does God bring about his refining? How does God bring about his purification that he was going to bring uh, to people? 
it was going to be a scene of cutting down trees that don't bear fruit and throw them into the fire. It is a process that involves getting the the wicked, evil, the impurities out and separating it from what is good. Now on down to verses 15 and 16. Now, while the people were in a state of expectation and all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he was the Christ, John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay, so I believe, you know, as John was talking here, we've already recognized that he's kind of starting the purifying process. He's calling people to come to repentance, to get ready for the Lord, to avoid that day of wrath. But he also knows, he's very aware of this passage in Malachi that he's fulfilling. And he knows that after him is going to become one who is going to bring about that refining that that purification process. And so he is warning them that what he's doing is only just a little bit of what's to come. So there is, a, he knows that the one, and, and think even back to chapter Malachi chapter four, verse five, it says, behold, I am going to send you Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. The great and terrible day of the Lord. This is going to be a time of refinement and and fire and this idea of God really putting people to task for their sins. And that is what Jesus was doing for the leaders of Israel. You think about him calling people. Jesus spoke to them as a brood of vipers. He called them snakes. He was carrying out his mission to purify and refine his people. And the reason he was doing it, and this is what Jesus was going to do, it's what he did. The reason he was doing that is so that the people could offer, make offerings that would be pleasing to the Lord. Look at verse Malachi chapter 3, verse 4. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in former years. They used to have sacrifices that were pleasing but now they've gone astray. They've left the covenant. They aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. They are not giving their best to God, and they needed to be purified and refined. So God was going to do that through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ. Purification and refinement of his people would come through Jesus. Now, the interesting thing is that you think about refining fires like a, you're putting the, the gold or the silver into a, into a smelter. I guess that's what it would be called. A big pot that's going to be temperature raised until it melts down. The impurities rise to the top and then they're siphoned off somehow. And they, they bring off the, the impurities from the top. That's, that's what God was going to do. But that fire gets rid of the impurities. That fire is what makes them separate out, and the impurities can be removed. So let's go to Malachi chapter 3, verses 5 
and 6. I just now realized how long verse 5 is. It's a long one. Verse 6 is pretty short, though. Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. So he was going to save his people, but he had to purify them first. And that purifying fire was going to separate out the, the pure and the good from what is bad. And he was going to save Israel in this manner. So considering this, uh, I, John was very uh, familiar with this as he spoke. So back to John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3. He had said in verse 16, he said, John answered and said to them, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And now we're going to see a little bit more description about the judgment that that means. The Holy Spirit being baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. It was judgment. Verse 17, his winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. He's going to keep the good stuff, right? But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The refining fire that separates out the good from the bad is also the fire that is going to destroy what is evil. So folks, Jesus, and and this is all forecast, this is all prophesied in Malachi chapter 3. First, there was going to be John the Baptist. He was the one to come and prepare the way. He was going to clear the way for the Lord. Then the Lord will come to his temple. The one you seek, the great Messiah, the one you hopefully are the one in whom you delight. I love that, those language of whom you seek and whom you delight. That's that's hopefully how we all see Jesus. We delight in him. We seek him. He is the long way to Messiah. He's the messenger of the covenant. And I will add my word to it. He's the messenger of the new covenant. He is the one who brought us the covenant that we partook of this morning that we remembered around the table. He was the messenger of that covenant. But with him comes, even though we're longing for him and waiting for him, there are only two options of how he works in people's lives. He either purifies and refines his people, or he brings judgment upon those people. So that leaves us just to consider two things. As we consider what Jesus came to do, this is just a, a different way of looking at, you know, we haven't talked about the sacrifice. We haven't talked about how he actually refines and purifies, but he does that through the giving of his own life. And so we, but we know this is true that either when it comes to the sacrifice of Jesus, either we accept him and his sacrifice, what he's done for us, and we, and we just give up our lives and cling to him and give our lives to him and treat him as our Lord. And we allow him to be the, 
the the guide for our lives in every matter and every thought we want to be like him we either let him refine us like that and if we aren't doing that if we aren't in the process of letting him purify and refine us every day and make us better then we're the only other option is that he is bringing judgment to us so we're either being stored up barn ready for eternal life. We have received eternal life. We're going to go home to be with God someday or else we're ready to be cast into the fire. It's either one or the other. And, and it's, it's, it's such a, you know, it's like what, how, you know, we talk about, you know, people are so divisive these days and we go to groups, you know, and I'm this group, that group, and nobody can get along. Well, really there's only two people in the world. There's only two sets of people in the world. Those who are in Christ who are saved, who are being refined and purified by Christ Jesus himself, or they are in the other group, the group that is that is cast aside. They're people that are not in Christ. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. That is the only group that matters. So consider this first thought. Number one, are you letting Jesus purify and refine you or do you stand in judgment to be cast into the fire? That's what that's the honest, that's the only take we have to consider. Are you growing in Christ? You know, this idea of Jesus purifying and refining you, it, it, it it's not a stagnant thing. When you come to Christ, you are always growing in him, maturing in him. So are you growing in Christ? If not, then you're not being refined and you're not being then then you're bringing damnation to your eternal soul and we talk about that eating eating drinketh damnation to himself when we partake of that lord's supper you know if we're not taking that in a worthy manner then we're unworthy and we're bringing damnation upon ourselves so please resolve today to repent of self-serving ways you know, quit doing things your way, doing things for yourself, just like these people in Malachi's time were. They didn't, they weren't do they didn't care about the covenant. They just said, made excuses all the day long for, well, God isn't treating us right, so we don't have to give our best to him. Don't don't do that in any way in your life. Don't serve yourself. Serve the Lord God. And be purified and refined by seeking and delighting in Jesus. Even when we're going through these, these trials of life, even when we're suffering through difficulties in life, because that is really how God makes us better. That's how we can grow in Jesus. So that's consideration number one. Are you letting Jesus purify and refine you? Consideration number two today, based upon this, is this question, are your offerings pleasing to the Lord? You know, and we looked at the sacrifice, we mentioned the sacrifices, mentioned them in last in the sermon last Sunday, but I just threw it out here, you know, our, our finances that we give, this is anything that we give to God, our, our finances, our time, our good deeds, our worship, our praise, our heart, soul, and mind, we give ourselves, we are living sacrifice, we give ourselves to him. Are, are our sacrifices pleasing to the Lord? Are we actually giving our very best to the Lord? And I just encourage you today to consider this. As you think about this of, of the either or, you're either being refined, you're either being purified and growing in Christ, 
or you're being held up and ready for condemnation cast aside for the fire. And I want, as you think about that, I want to encourage you to give your very best. We've got to give our best because that is what God gave for us. He gave his very best. He gave his only, his precious son for us. And so even when we've been giving him junk and, and secondhand stuff, you know, it's like white elephant gifts. You know, that's kind of what we do for God our whole lives. We're just tempted to give him what we really don't need. But we've got to learn more and more and more to give him our very best, the first fruits of our lives. Because that's what he gave for us. And that's the way to joy. That is the way for us to experience uh, the good life that Jesus offered unto us. So give him yourself. Give him everything. Your heart, soul, mind. Love him with all your strength. Give him of yourself. Give him your best. And allow yourself to grow in Jesus Christ. Do everything that you need to do to be purified and refined, made better in Christ Jesus. If there's anybody out there today that you haven't given your life to Jesus, that's the encouragement we have. All, all of us who are gathered here, we want to see more people give their lives to Christ and to live for him. So if you need to give your life to Christ, do that today. And all of us who are here, we, we want to encourage one another, all of us, to give our very best to Jesus if anybody needs the prayers of the church, you let us know. If you need to give your life to Christ, you, you seek us out today. We'll encourage you to do so with this song.